This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Your radio doctor does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, physicians, products, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on your radio doctor. Always consult your own physician. Today's program has been pre-recorded. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia, a radio.com station. From the Malamud and Associates Law Studios, it's time for the Delaware Valley's first radio doctor. On call every Sunday morning at 10. This is your radio doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie. That is a very, very robust, vigorous, achoo sneeze. That's what that is. And that's not what we're talking about. Your health determines your life, your longevity, and your happiness. Let your radio doctor lead the way with your medical education. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. And a good Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome into your radio doctor as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. It's a special broadcast for a very special Sunday morning. And we turn it over to Dr. Marianne. Doc, all yours. Welcome to our listeners on this special day when we celebrate Easter Sunday and the fifth day of Passover. We look forward to hearing from our very special guests. We continue to bring you information about the many aspects of COVID-19. And we begin today with Dr. Madeline Becker, a psychiatrist from Jefferson University Hospital, who will discuss ways in which we might decrease anxiety during the pandemic. Then we'll hear from Dr. Richard Wender. He is the Chief Cancer Control Officer for the American Cancer Society, and we'll talk about the ways that COVID is impacting cancer patients. And then Dr. William Height has a very rich experience, formerly the head of the American Association of Cancer Research. He's now the global head of Johnson & Johnson External Innovation, one of the centers working on a vaccine for COVID-19. So let's begin our first guest is Dr. Madeline Becker, an associate professor in the Departments of Integrative Medicine and the Department of Psychiatry and Human Behavior at Jefferson University Hospital, where she plays leadership roles in education and practices consultative and integrative psychiatry. Welcome, Madeline. We've invited Thanks Dr. So Becker because she has very helpful insights about relieving anxiety brought on by this pandemic through her careful attention with advice to diet, exercise, social connecting, and sleep. Madeline, first, how do we decrease the basic fear of being around other people? Well, Marianne, thanks first for inviting me to talk with your audience tonight, um, or this morning, actually. Um, I'm happy to talk to you about anxiety and managing stress during COVID. So many people are concerned about um, their personal safety right now. Everybody's feeling something now, whether it's fear, whether it's worry of getting sick, um, spreading it to others, contracting it from others when going to the grocery. People are feeling guilt. Um, There's a ton of stress from financial worries, hopelessness, loneliness, if people are home alone and really restlessness about not being able to get out of the house. There's lots of emotions going on right now. I think it's really important for us to remember that we need to take care of ourselves now at this time while we're socially distancing from everyone else and realizing that managing our stress and mental health is just as important as our physical health because they're intimately connected. Of course. And, you know, it's almost ironic because we're constantly communicating with each other, with texting and emails, 
which in a sense have already isolated us in our current culture. Um, and maybe now one of the positives from the pandemic will maybe remind us that we need more social interacting face-to-face and real conversations, speak on the phone or speak in person. So, so yeah. what are the, one of the, some of the things that, that we can do? Well, I mean, first of all, I think in managing, I think your point is very well taken in that many of us are already um, so involved in computers and on our social media that we don't realize, and we now do, of how it feels to be socially disconnected from everyone, and those are the only ways we can connect. There is a lot of anxiety that comes out from that, for sure. I think, first of all, to, um, to one of the points I want to make is that um, for people that are anxious during this time is, is to look around and really realize that the entire community around you is working to combat this pandemic. So as you stay home, you're contributing to the mitigation and reduction of transmission of the disease, which is really the main tactic that we have right now of ending this pandemic. So you are doing good work by just being home and staying in your house right now. Yes. Um, I, obviously, um, there's a lot of anxiety, and I think there's some, some good things that we could do, though, during this time, and spending special time giving ourselves attention. And I do want to start with diet. I think that's something that probably one of the high points of the day now for most people of the next meal, um, eating well. This is a really good time to think about what you're eating and a great time to start cooking more, baking, and making healthy dishes. Um, Using fruits and vegetables, um, they have antioxidants, which are very good for our immune system, Um, and preparing your food well and in a healthy manner. I do get a lot of questions about even how to um, take care of your food when it comes in from the grocery store. And what I would say is if you're eating um, a lot of fruits and vegetables or any of them, you really need to wash all your produce. Mm-hmm. Everything that comes in, um, I recommend to people to use soap and water, actually, to wash their fruits and vegetables um, before Which, they cook uh, with them. I'll just interrupt you for a second. Uh, you make a great point because the last time I was in the supermarket, well, a week ago, um, the beautiful produce is sitting there untouched because people are buying only bagged apples or bags and uh yeah yeah funny, i remember reading online some years ago people actually use soap and water to wash their broccoli so i mean if soap yeah. and water is good for our hands why not wash your apples and absolutely and just, yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. we have learned a lot about the virus in the last few weeks um one of the things that we have learned is that soap and water is very effective for destroying this um virus and So all the fruits and vegetables that come in, obviously they are touched by people who work in the shop and yourself and everybody um, who's, you know, feeling the avocados in the store. When you bring them home, just make sure you do wash them before, even um, before you cut them with with peels on it. Um, And and as I said, make this an opportunity to try to eat as well as you can. Yes. And then now there's no excuse for not exercising. We have the time. We're not commuting. We're not at our hectic work day. That's right. This is definitely a time. There's no excuse now. And I think, the, the, you know, one of the things is we're very le- we're so much less active since we're home all day. Um, so finding a time every day, a routine is a great idea. So having some time designated to do exercise at home is a fabulous idea. And as you said, this is a time. 
everybody says I'm too busy, I'm working, I'm running around with, with the kids and coming home and commuting and I've got to cook dinner, you can find an hour or a half hour every day now to do some sort of exercise. And there's plenty of things to stream. Um, you can, you can um, use social media to find things or on your TVs. Um, they have lots of um, yoga classes, exercise classes, all sorts of things. You could find what is good for you. And things like yoga, which the reason I mention that, yoga and Tai Chi both have a mind-body component to them, so those are great for helping with anxiety as well as fitness. Um, but the other thing I want to mention about exercise is it's really important for us to get a little sunlight every day. So I actually recommend that everybody go out for a, a little walk every day, a little short walk. Um, obviously, you want to practice social distancing when you're out and not walk around a ton of people. Um, there's even recommendations now to possibly wear a mask when you're going out, even for a walk. Um, but getting out and being in the sunlight is going to really help and regulate your circadian rhythms. And as we'll um, hear, that's really going to be helpful to help you sleep better as well. Oh, of course. And, I, you know, when we first started to talk some years ago about um, mood changes with uh, change of season and darkness and seasonal depression, at first, I poo-pooed it because I think, well, I'm inside most of the day anyway. But it really, when you look out and see the sun shining, it definitely makes you feel better. There's Absolutely. no question about that. And you're the psychiatrist. I'm sure that you have studies that show us that evidence, really. Absolutely. I mean, people use the bright light therapies, which I also recommend. I think it's great to put those on for about 30 minutes, about 10 minutes after you wake up every morning. Um, fortunately, now we do have sunlight in the morning, but um, the, the, we've just come out from a couple of weeks of a lot of rain and um, kind of cold, dreary weather. So that does not help. I think a lot of people are um, concerned about their sleep as well. So getting outside in the sunshine every day to do a little of that walking, in addition to doing exercise inside, I think both of those things are really good for you right now. Right. And you talk about the walk. I, I have three beagles and uh, I take my youngest guy out for at least an hour a day. I'm meeting neighbors I never knew I had. Everybody's yeah. trying to do that walk and boy, it doesn't feel good to see other human beings too uh, if you're Absolutely. really isolated and it just Absolutely. goes in. It's, it's one big package. You're getting exercise, but it's also a chance, as you say, to socially connect. Oh, yes. It's, uh, we look forward to that every day too of when it's time to go and take a walk and to get out of the house and get away from the screens for a little while. Especially now, you know, we're doing different things than usual. You were mentioning the uh, possibility of decluttering and um, maybe start a journal. Talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, we have this time. This is really, you know, one of the ways to look at this is that this is really a special time in history, a unique special time that I hope is not going to happen in any of our lifetimes again. But because of that we can use that to our advantage in some ways. Yes. Um, you know, one of my thoughts was um, to really start inquiring in yourself of what you could do during this time. You know, writing a journal, what a fabulous idea to sit down and, and mark the days by how you're feeling, what you did, what's happening in the news, to have a record of this for yourself for later. Right. I've been taking I've been taking photos when I go for a walk in the neighborhood. You know, there's not there's not a lot of people or anything right now, but um, out on the streets right now. But there is nature, 
and what's it, in your neighborhood and taking photos change, of those things uh, is a nice I'm sorry, way. For a change, we're smelling the roses. We have about a minute left, uh, Madeline. Okay. And yeah, so let I, me, I, I, do you want to talk about sleep before we finish? Sure. Um, this is really important because this is the time when our body heals. Sleeping well is more and more difficult when we don't get out into the sunshine or have an active routine. And certainly being in the house all day, you are way less active and taking way less steps than you do during a normal work day. Try as best as you can to keep a regular schedule every day. Um, avoid too much of the COVID TV news. Um, limit it to uh, either the morning or the evening, whenever it is that it's more convenient for you. And limit the computer and the screens before bed. It's hard to turn it off now, but, um, you know, when we're going to work, we have times where we, you know, more boundaries on our lives. But we're exactly. home all day. Those things just keep going and going. Well, and Try you want to, to limit that book. COVID information uh, a, a good distance of time before you hop into bed. And, and as you say, in the end, what's the most important message here? The most important message is to try to find other things to divert your mind from what's going on and try to find the positive things about what's yeah. happening right now in the world. And I think lastly is to have gratitude for all of the people that are still working while the whole country is shutting down so that we can still function, including your healthcare workers, food deliverers, postal workers, the pharmacists, everyone that's still doing their jobs during this yeah. time and having yeah. gratitude for them. And, and remember that our job is the social distancing. And, and as our grandmothers and mothers would teach us, remember there's always somebody who has it worse than you have. And um, I really appreciate you coming today uh, to talk to us, Madeline, and uh, stay well. And I'm sure that um, we're all being challenged, but we appreciate your comments because it makes it a little bit easier to find a happy place. So thank you. Stay well. And we really appreciate you joining us. Take care. Thank you for having me. Be well, Mary. Of course. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie. If you have a question for the medical mailbag, just send a note to doctor at yourradiodoctor.com. And as we come back from the commercial break on this Easter Sunday, thank you so much for tuning in to your radio doctor. Remember, you can hear the entire show uh, from this morning's broadcast two ways. You can go to radio.com, where it is radio on demand, or you can go to yourradiodoctor.com. We roll along on this Easter Sunday. It's a guest-filled Sunday morning edition of your radio doctor. Doc? Welcome back, and it's with great pleasure that I welcome Dr. Richard Wender. Dr. Wender spent many years practicing family medicine at Jefferson University Hospital and was actually the chair of the department. His current position is Chief Cancer Control Officer for the American Cancer Society, and as you might guess, it's one of the largest cancer control organizations in the country. And their goals are offering programs for prevention and early detection, services for cancer patients and their caregivers, and of course, working with, working with health systems around the world. Rich, welcome. I'm so happy you're able to be with us today. Delighted to be here. Thank you. Rich, why don't we start with talking about programs in general offered by the American Cancer Society? Thanks. Uh, you know, we really do attack cancer from every angle. We have the largest extramural research program funding other uh, wonderful researchers, we conduct our own research. We provide information and services for cancer patients, like a place to stay near treatment, uh, rides, 
information through our 24-hour hotline and our website. Um, and in addition, we lead huge efforts around the country with partners to uh, make sure everybody gets screened for cancer and lives a healthy lifestyle. Yes. And it, you go to great lengths, too, to make sure that that access is equal for people throughout our country and make efforts to make it happen around the world. So true. You know, we really believe that no one should be disadvantaged in their fight against cancer because of where they live, the color of their skin, their income, their ability or disability, uh, sexual orientation or identity. Uh, So uh, striving for equity and fairness in cancer care really is our unifying theme. Uh, And uh, we do a lot of most of our work in the United States, but we also do an enormous amount of work around the world, including sub-Saharan Africa, where we have a big focus. Well, and I have to give a shout out. The website for our listeners you can visit is cancer.org. I reference it all the time. And I, I've said to my colleague here, Dr. Wender, I think it's one of the most well-written websites for any kind of information that I have ever uh, visited. It's clear. It's logical. The di- Everything about it is superb, really. You know, thanks. We have such an incredible team uh, who works full time uh, updating that information, making sure that that it's presented in a way that people can understand uh, and easily read, uh, but also has really actionable, useful information. Yes. Well, I think, too, Rich, it's not just for people that have cancer. I'm sure a lot of people who don't have cancer, the guidelines for screening at what age, how often, all those things are not changing as dynamically as maybe other medical conditions, but um, it becomes confusing sometimes, and it's, and it's a beautiful resource. Now, I know you have a hotline, and I would guess that the phones are ringing off the hook with questions about how the COVID might be impacting patients with cancer or about to go through treatment. You know, the world has changed uh, suddenly and dramatically for every one of us. That's just as true for people who are facing cancer, their caregivers or people who are worried about cancer. And uh, you would not be surprised to know that uh, our 24-hour hotline, 1-800-ACS-2345, 80% of the calls we're receiving right now are related to COVID. A lot of concern about uh, delays in treatment, a lot of questions about uh, their risk related to COVID, particularly if they're facing cancer. A mm-hmm. lot of people looking for guidance about questions to ask their doctors. So uh, uh, we've really pivoted, uh, frankly, the entire organization to make sure we're providing that support. And again, we invite patients and their caregivers and people who don't have cancer to visit cancer.org for excellent information. Um, Rich, we're friends as colleagues from Jefferson, but we also are part, well, you're the chair, of course, of the National Colorectal Cancer Roundtable, which has passed its 20-year anniversary. Uh, I was fortunate enough to train at Memorial Sloan Kettering, and my mentor there, Dr. Sidney Winterer, was one of the founders of that roundtable. Tell us a little bit about that. The National College of Cancer Roundtable is an organization of organizations, and we have we passed up 150 huge organizations representing millions and millions of people who now belong, and we, for the uh, uh, 24 years now have had a single goal, and that's to increase the percentage of everyone living in this country who is up to date with screening for colorectal cancer. Colorectal cancer is the second leading cause of cancer-related death in this United States when we combine men and women. 
And many of these cases can be prevented uh, through screening or found early when it's curable. Yes. And I think you make a good point. I, a lot of people would be surprised when they hear that that's the number two cause of cancer death. In fact, more people die of colon cancer than of breast cancer, but there's no contest. It's just um, we have to make it kinder and uh, a little less unappealing. I wouldn't say more appealing, but uh, people shy away from the testing. But the best test, as you always say, is the one that gets done, the best screening test, even if it's just a stool test. And knowing that it's so common and so preventable is the message that you tout. I I would like our listeners to realize that it's this National Colorectal Cancer Roundtable that came up with the goal of 80% by 18. Yeah, you know, that that goal really changed the landscape of colorectal cancer screening, not just in the United States, but it did around the world, because up until then, people thought, oh, a a great screening rate is if we could hit 70% of patients up to date. Nobody talks about 70 anymore. Everybody understands that, that, that our goal is hitting 80 or above, and many organizations hit that 80% goal. In fact, 79.3% of everyone 65 and older uh, were up to date with screening at the end of 2018. Uh, so we really have changed the landscape. But, Marianne, I don't need to tell you, we have much more to do. There's still many, many people who have not been screened, um, and too many young people, uh, we now recommend screening starting at 45 because of higher risk. And when we look at the screening numbers, even 50 to 60, they're far too low. So we have a lot of work to do to get everybody up to date. Yeah. And, you know, Rich, it's so wonderful to hear that message go out over and over again. I trained in the 1980s when, um, as you recall, we're about circa each other, uh, Everyone beginning at 40 used to have stool tests, but they weren't accurate enough, and there were a lot of false positives and extra scope tests being done. And so then we switched to 50 and older with colonoscopy, and now we're seeing the wisdom and starting a little bit sooner. Um, And I hope that soon all of the um, national – I know the National GI Societies are waiting for the big pyramid to everyone agree starting at age 45 so it will be covered by insurance and people aren't worried that – if they are at increased risk, that they, it'll be easier to be tested and screened. Yeah, you know, I always like to tell people, don't let different guidelines paralyze you. Uh, guidelines are always changing because the risks are changing. Um, the the uh, big coalition in New York City just changed their guideline to recommend screening starting at age 45. Uh, and a, a couple of the big organizations are looking at it now. Uh, but here's a way to look at it. Age 50 is now the very oldest age that you should be starting. If you haven't started 45 to 49, do not wait beyond age 50 because this disease risk is moving younger. Uh, and uh, age 50 is the very oldest age you should be starting. Uh, not, not just start thinking about it at 50. Uh, get right on it as soon as you hit that age if you haven't already started Well, thank you, Dr. Rich Wender from the American Cancer Society. And Philadelphians understand that we are lagging behind other major cities. So thank you, Rich. God bless. Stay well. Thank you so much, Marianne. And uh, thanks for the great work you're doing. Today's edition of Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie can be enjoyed on Radio.com as well. And you can listen to the show at your convenience. Just go to Radio.com, and in the search bar, type in Your Radio Doctor. It's health education on demand. 
Dan back here on your radio doctor on this holiday Sunday. We thank everybody for tuning in and being a part of this special show on this Sunday morning right here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We have very special guests today, men who have dedicated their lives to fight cancer. Our first guest is Dr. William Height. He's not only an MD, he's also a PhD. Friends, this is a man with so many accomplishments that I could fill the entire segment with his titles alone. Among his many achievements was to serve as the president of the American Association for Cancer Research, the AACR. This is the first and largest cancer research organization dedicated to accelerating the conquest of cancer. Through research, education, collaboration, funding for cancer research, the AACR aims to advance prevention, diagnosis, and treatment of cancer throughout the world. But let's talk about Dr. Height in particular. We claim Dr. Height is one of our own. He's Philadelphia grown. After attending the University of Pennsylvania for college, he completed medical school at the Medical College of Pennsylvania. Following residency and fellowship at Yale, he joined the Yale faculty in 1984 and became the director of the breast cancer unit, the co-director of the lung cancer unit, and eventually the chief of medical oncology at Yale until 1988. He is a full professor of medicine and pharmacology and served as associate dean at the University of Medicine and Dentistry of New Jersey, Robert Wood Johnson Medical School, until 2007. As the founding director of the Cancer Institute of New Jersey, his leadership led to it being named the Designated Cancer Center by the National Cancer Institute. He is also a highly respected researcher in the world of translational cancer research. This integrates molecular cell biology with clinical pharmacology right to the clinics. In other words, he takes the practice of the science of molecules and cells to design chemotherapy to treat people with cancer. Eventually, he served as the president of the AACR, where he is still the treasurer. He's also been the editor-in-chief and on editorial boards of major cancer research journals and serves on scientific advisory boards for several universities. In the meantime, Johnson & Johnson is very fortunate to call him their senior vice president and worldwide head of hematology and oncology, and their global head of external innovation. In essence, his mission is to discover and develop new medications to address the world's most serious unmet medical needs. Gee whiz, I don't think you ever sleep, Dr. Height, do you? (laughs) No, I I do. I certainly do, Marianne. No problem. Well, it is so special to have you with us today because we spent the entire month of March focusing on all the aspects of colorectal cancer that we could, and we thought it would be a wonderful um, wrap-up to hear you as a cancer specialist, um, years of experience taking care of patients, and then including among your other achievements, as we said, taking bench research to the practical level, level of new medications and then following patients. So you've been a doctor treating cancer patients for many years. How did you end up, or I shouldn't end up, how did you transition to working for a large healthcare company? What made you make that transition? That's a very good question. One of the things that I realized um, during my time in academic medicine that if you really wanted to take a discovery 
and wind up with a product for patients, it was next to impossible to do within a university. And the best way to do it uh, was by joining uh, the healthcare pharmaceutical industry. So at a certain point in time when I felt the Cancer Institute of New Jersey was in good shape, um, I looked at opportunities and the one that I was very happy to get was joining Johnson & Johnson where I started at, to your point, the oncology uh, hemonc therapeutic area. And then because of great uh, fortune, I became head of all uh, research and development for the pharmaceutical sector of J&J, &J, and that's been an absolute thrill. Well, as I mentioned, I'm sure they're thrilled to have you with all your experience and your experience as a clinical oncologist or cancer specialist and your love of research helps to find new solutions for patients, yes? Absolutely. It's um, amazing what a, um, a large pharmaceutical company can accomplish when you take an idea, you, you focus down on diseases, you find the targets that you think make most sense, and then you can build drugs or you can license them from collaborators on the outside. It's really um, a tremendous opportunity for people who are interested in translational research to fulfill their dreams. Sure. And Dr. Height, at Johnson & Johnson, right now you lead a team working to create what you call a world without disease. What does that mean and how could our listeners benefit if you succeed? You know, Mary, and this really um, uh, comes from my experience taking care of oncology patients. Um, I've never heard a patient ever come into the office and say, you know, Dr. Height, I am so glad I've been diagnosed with cancer so you can treat me. What I would usually hear was, you know, I don't, don't smoke, I don't drink, no one in my family has cancer. How could I prevent, how could I have prevented this from ever happening? And when you, you realize the pain, the suffering, the emotional problems coming with a cancer diagnosis, it dawns on you that wouldn't it be better to prevent cancer from ever happening in the first place? And uh, for other diseases, which are just as devastating, why not prevent them as well? Sure. And uh, I think we share that passion. Um, we're both, I mean, I'm a general gastroenterology, but as I mentioned to you, I trained at Memorial Sloan Kettering, and prevention is my favorite word. Um, and it's hard, though, sometimes to convince people that this is the goal. You know, it's, it is hard, and there's another problem, is that we lack a lot of the knowledge that we need to get at the root causes of disease so we can make the investment in research um, to actually do something that will work. Now, in other disease areas like cardiology, they've been really good at intercepting uh, disease, um, with drugs like the statins to lower LDL cholesterol. So you don't wait until you have a stroke or a heart attack. You have a biomarker, an elevated cholesterol, and you make an intervention, an interception, if you will, by going on a statin or more recently the PCSK9 inhibitors. Um, so you decrease your risk and you prevent people um, from getting ill in the first place. When, and as our previous conversation, you mentioned that our cars get better health care than sometimes we do as humans. Tell our audience what you mean by that terrific metaphor. Yeah, you know, we pulled together from across J&J &J, 
a great expertise. That's the advantage of having a very broadly based healthcare company. So from our consumer group, we tapped the people who are behavioral scientists who know why a person chooses one consumer product over another. From our med device group, we chose engineers and surgeons. And from our pharmaceutical group, biologists, pharmacologists, people who know genomics. And we put them in a group and we said, look, go off and in a few months, come back and tell me what would you like healthcare to be like 20, 30 years from now? Not what you have read it will be like, but what you would like it to be. And when we reconvened, they said, well, we'd like to be more like our cars. We said, well, what are you talking about? They said, well, when a car rolls off the assembly line, the car knows, the manufacturer knows all the specs that are uh, for the engine, for the brakes, for the electrical system, and the car is embedded with sensors. And when the car begins to go out of spec, your check engine light comes on, and you, go, you take the car in, you load down the information from your car into a computer, and it says, it tells you what needs to be adjusted before the car ever breaks down. Well, we'd like to be more like that. When we roll off the assembly line, uh, we'll soon know all of our specs, what we're susceptible to. We'll know our risk eventually of how serious is it uh, that we're likely to get such a disease. And then we'd like to be monitored also. And so as we move closer toward becoming ill, we could make an intervention before we break down or before illness ever occurs. We've termed that immorbidity, living a life free of disease, and others have called it increasing your health span, living an enjoyable, healthy life well uh, into your elderly years. And I guess, truthfully, that's the real meaning of precision medicine. medicine. Um, we had guests last week that talked about the colon cancer vaccine. As a trained cancer specialist, what advances do you hope to see with people uh, in cancer in the near future? Well, something like a vaccine would be tremendous. Um, it's very critical that you would first identify people at greatest risk for getting colon cancer, and we know a lot about that from people who have hereditary syndromes like familial adenomatous polyposis or Lynch syndrome, uh, and there are more of those patients who, who have this sporadically than we ever realized before. And then people, and then once we have that information, we would know uh, who should get the vaccine. Um, to prevent the disease, and some of these vaccines, of course, are therapeutic. So that kind of approach um, is incredibly exciting and very important. We've been studying the, the um, human microbiome, and we've identified, as as others, certain bacteria that seem to predispose to, can to colon cancer and maybe even other cancers, and we're developing ways to replace those bad microorganisms with ones that might keep us healthy. Well, that's a fantastic piece of information in itself, and I've read a lot about it as a GI doctor. Dr. Haidt, thank you many times over for joining us today, and now our listeners can understand that this was the man in the right place to be president of the American Association of Cancer Research with 46,000 members across 127 countries and 48 are Nobel Prize winners. Dr. Haidt, I need to bring you back because people need to hear more from you. Thank you. Thank you. Stay well, and I hope to talk to you in the near future. It was my pleasure. Thank you very much. 
Your radio doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie is proudly provided by Independence Blue Cross. Dr. Marianne will return, but first, a medical message from one of our partners. And as we return on this Easter Sunday, on this Sunday morning here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, we uh, encourage all of you from around the Delaware Valley tuning in uh, and listening to your radio doctor uh, to stay safe uh, and stay healthy. Uh, Fitting that our final segment of the morning uh, will be reflections from Dr. Marianne. Doc, it's all yours. We all remember where we were on September 11th. We were horrified as each of the four planes crashed into the Twin Towers, the Pentagon, the field at Shanksville, and we all had that same sinking feeling. The world was about to end. But as the dust settled, we mourned our losses, and we were united by a national pride and love of country that surpassed even our parents' recollections of VE Day in 1945. For weeks, flags decorated homes, businesses, cars, even our lapels, People held candlelight vigils, celebrities organized benefit concerts, and we came together in prayer. Our church met every night at 7 p.m. for the rosary over two years and continues now each Monday night, 18 years later. Each person had a different experience and maybe a different worry, but what we shared was the need to come together. Aside from the coronavirus devastation to our health and economy, Families losing loved ones, first responders and essential workforce in danger, people losing their jobs and businesses. The other cruel blow is the isolation it imposes. No handshakes, no hugging, women delivering babies without their partner or spouse, canceled graduations and weddings, unable to visit lonely grandparents or gather to mourn at a funeral. But we know that if this virus can't jump from person to person, it has nowhere to go and it will die off. So for now, We listen to the medical experts and our national leaders and follow the guidelines for social distancing. Now, let's return to the Roaring Twenties. It was a time of great prosperity and new technology, automobiles, moving pictures, radio. We were modern. 1929, Coca-Cola wanted people to slow down and take a break to experience their refreshing drink. For many years, their famous slogan was, Coca-Cola, the pause that refreshes. Like those days before the Great Depression, we're busy. Following decades of economic growth, marketing campaigns are constantly competing for consumers' attention. This overstimulation has America looking down. In elevators, crossing the street, even driving, our eyes are glued to cell phones. If there is one positive that will come from this time of challenge, maybe it's the opportunity to pause and reflect. You're not commuting to work or keeping a hectic schedule. Staying at home might give you the chance to push the reset button. Put your cell phone down. Walk away from the repetitious 24-hour news and look inward. Some people are using this time to declutter their closets or basements. Why not take time to declutter your soul? Take a break from your honey-do list. Have a cup of tea with your spouse. Play a board game with your children. Take a long walk and think about your priorities. Who and what are important? Who and what are not? Time is the most precious commodity. This pandemic reminds us that certain events in, in our lives are out of our control. Maybe that's why people are running out to buy toilet paper and extra bread and milk. It makes us feel like we're doing something to prepare. It's something we can control and relieves a bit of our anxiety. Today is Easter Sunday, when Christians celebrate the resurrection and our hope for salvation. And it's the fifth day of Passover when the Jewish people recall their exodus, their release from slavery. Both are holy occasions. Both anticipate the joy of new life and rebirth 
and the chance to start again. Take time to reassess your priorities. We pray for the first responders and essential workers, but remember to also pray for the members of the task force along with our government leaders. Does anyone ever think to say, how are you doing, Dr. Fauci or Dr. Burks? What immense worries are you carrying, Governor XYZ or Mr. President or Mr. Vice President? I couldn't make it to a two-hour press conference every day. Each of us has a worry about family or work. Imagine making decisions for the entire country that affect the entire world. We pray they have the stamina and wisdom to defeat this invisible enemy in a battle of epic proportions unlike any we've ever faced in history. As I said in my first show in February, you can't be happy if you're not grateful, and you can't be grateful if you're not humble. A truly wise person will look at this moment in history through the humble eyes and realize the only way to defeat this invisible enemy is to do it together. We all say together, but what does that really mean? Maybe it means being a little kinder and more open to others' opinions. Let's put aside our differences and work as one people, one nation, so each of us can say, I'm proud to be an American. We end today with two requests. Your radio doctor wants to share stories of your real champions. Tell us about a special person on the front lines bringing neighbors together, or maybe someone who's had COVID and has recovered. Visit our website, yourradiodoctor.com, for details. And we really want you to proudly fly your American flag in front of your home or business. Let the Stars and Stripes be a show of unity, but also a sign of support for COVID patients and their families and the selfless warriors who enter the battlefield on a daily basis. I have two children who work in hospitals. Each day they call and we say a prayer together before they walk through the door. God bless us all. And remember, your health is your wealth. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.